Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast. Before we get to our guests, special shout out to Cruise Consulting. We do all your startup accounting, startup taxes, and tons of consulting work, kind of whatever comes up, like financial models, budget actuals, maybe some state registration, sales tax, VC, due diligence support, whatever comes up for your company, we're there for you. 750 clients strong now, $10 billion in capital raised by our clients. I can't believe it. $2 billion this year. It's been a crazy, awesome year. So check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. And now on to our guest. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. Founders and friends, it's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Manic Suri of Therma. Welcome, Manic. Thanks so much, Scott. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, but before we get into it, I should just disclose I'm a small personal investor in the company. So I've loved what you're doing so much. I want to invest in the company. So just everyone who's listening know that. But maybe we could start off just by you retracing your career a little bit and telling everyone how you had the idea for Therma. Absolutely. It's great to, to be on. Thanks for the support, Scott. I'll try and not share all the all the uh, dirty laundry, but I give you some of the inside <laughs> scoop. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully there's no dirty laundry to share there. No. So yeah, we're doing our job right. I know. I think we're, no, I think we're good. We're an early stage company building a clean cooling technology, trying to reduce emissions and waste around refrigeration uh, and cooling assets. And we're trying to do that in ways that save businesses money and help uh, reduce uh, global warming. So that's that's Therma's mission. I didn't expect I would run a, a refrigeration startup uh, growing up. That wasn't the uh, the ambition, but you know we kind of came into it as my dad jokes. You know the the path in life is often you know the journey is kind of a winding road. It all makes sense in the rearview mirror, but you don't necessarily know where it's taking you at the time. So I started out working as uh, an investor. I'd gone to Harvard for college and law school. Went to a big hedge fund called DE Shaw was there for a few years, oh. um, went back to law school. I joke, I'm a recovering attorney, you know, the best kind. The plan was to go into government and do policy work. I went to do a, a short stint in, in the Obama White House as a junior guy doing economic policy. Uh, that was 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. And I, I met the deputy CTO. She was also a recovering lawyer. She convinced me to leave government to start working in tech, building tech for good, uh, Beth Novick. And, and she started a center after she left government and I joined her to help co-found that called the GovLab, Governance Lab. The idea was to build tech awesome. yeah, around big problems that weren't being solved by the private sector. And so that's how I got into sustainability. That was in 2012. A few years later, I got into the food supply chain, building a startup that was a precursor to Therma. I had grown up in an ag town called Fresno in the Central Valley. A lot of problems around farm to fork. Thought we could help build tools to improve uh, and replace pen and paper with uh, better better technology. So we started using mobile apps uh, and that was the first product we built, Co-Inspect, Collaborative Inspect. As we scaled that product, we discovered a lot of what people were doing was checking temperature. And that's what led us to start thinking about um, sensors and temperature monitoring. Cause I remember Co-Inspect and then the, the name changed, but so that led you into like, you kind of got in the market and then the, the customers led you to an even bigger problem, it sounds like. That's exactly what happened. We were watching users using our first product, Co-Inspect, we had about 5,000 locations on this app, and we were in the field watching users trying to figure out how to improve the UX, UI. How do we improve the user experience? And we realized that most of what they were checking was temperature of perishable product. 
but they were doing it on a digital clipboard that we built instead of a paper clipboard the way they've done it for 30 years. And one of my colleagues looked at me and said, I don't think we're solving this the right way. They don't want to do this work. They don't want to do it because they've got other things to do. And we're just replacing a piece of paper with a clipboard that's digital. That's not that much better. What if we could automate it? What if we could just replace the work entirely with a sensor? And that's how Thermo was was born. And so instead of like manually checking the temperature all the time or whatever they remembered, all of a sudden the temperature could be checked all the time and they could get alerts, right? Exactly. It became like an alarm for your inventory and for your equipment. And so it's a 24-7 remote monitoring tool. And we, we started working on it in late 19. And we're just commercializing it in early 20 when the pandemic hit. That's amazing. And then did the pandemic help or hurt? Because I could also see how it could could help in a weird way. It actually was a big growth driver for us. You know, ironically, we grew 3x in 20 and again in 21. We tripled in 20 and 21. Partly uh, for, for reasons you might expect and for reasons we didn't expect. One, people cared a lot more about safety and hygiene. Yeah. And second, a lot of locations were closed. And so there weren't as many people checking stuff. So with all these lightly staffed locations, owners and operators wanted to know what was going on and not lose product. And so we started seeing a lot of interest. When we started selling Thermo, we didn't realize how much of an emissions reduction we could create. But what we discovered with early deployments was we were catching a lot of inventory loss and food waste. And so we were actually able to create an emissions reduction story and impact uh, around the product as well. And people got excited about that because there's dollars, you know, if you don't throw that product out, that's real That's real value for the customer. Oh, big time. And so the customers, like your customers are what, restaurants and maybe distribution companies or who, who do you sell to? Yeah, so basically we sell to anyone uh, who makes, distributes or sells food uh, across the farm to fork. Most of our customers are closer to the fork than the farm. So we've got uh, restaurants, cafeterias, schools and universities, hospitals, amusement parks, casinos, hotels, basically places where food is sold. Uh, We also have some customers in the supply chain. So we've got distribution centers, cold storage warehouses, and we have a few uh, farms, breweries, wineries, and growers. Mm. But, you know, 80% of our customers are operators of brands like McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, Taco Bell, Marriott, Wyndham, Hilton, 7-Eleven, you know, folks that, that, that you and I might, might might experience as consumers. Got it. Yeah. So the, I love the farm to fork, by the way. I've never heard that, but I'm not, also not an industry. So you're you're hitting like a lot of bigger, and, 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 and where are you in the kind of adoption curve? Is it are the big kind of chains or the 7-Elevens or McDonald's of the world starting to recognize what Thermo does? Or are you still with like more independent or smaller smaller companies? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're growing uh, nicely and, and growing rapidly. So that's always exciting. We started selling Thermo in early 20. And at that time, we had a couple of customers, maybe 100 sensors in the world. Uh, now we've got over 1,000 customers, over 10,000 sensors in the world. Uh, so still super early. There's a lot of refrigeration out there, uh, about 90, yeah. million, 90 million refrigeration units in the business world. Oh, my God. Uh, so we're in 10,000 <laughs> of them. But we have. Yeah, exactly. Everyone eats. And that's and, amazing, though. 10,000 is a lot. That's like really good progress, especially like in two years, you know, from where you came from. It's exciting. Most of the big deployments we have are with franchisees uh, of these big mm. brands. So we have franchisees of, you know, most of the major brands now using us. And what we're trying to do is get people excited, show them value, get testimonials, and eventually go over to the corporate teams and say, hey, look, 
yeah. your, your, your teams love this. It's creating value, saving money. Maybe we should make this a system-wide or concept-wide you know, deployment. So we're working towards that. That's so smart. So smart. I was actually listening to like the uh, story about Ray Kroc and McDonald's and like <laughs> some of the best menu items actually came from like franchisees having the idea, pushing it up to corporate and then corporate roll it out. That's, that's really amazing. Talk about one of the main reasons I was like, so fired up about this was just like, you talked, you touched on it briefly, but the, the climate impact. And I, to me, this is like, it's like you, you are building this incredible network and all, you're getting real time data on all these different refrigeration units. But like, there's just seems like so much potential in the ability to to impact the climate positively. Much more than we could have imagined. When we started working on Therma, Therma is short, by the way, for temperature, humidity, energy, remote monitoring application. That's, you know, team of nerds. No way. I didn't know that. Oh my God. That's, that's we, awesome. We started working on this as a, as a way of reducing uh, inefficiency, improving safety. What we discovered was that by monitoring refrigeration 24-7, we could catch failure, we could catch downtime events early and often, and we could create, you know, real savings for businesses. We could reduce spoilage, we could reduce um, inventory loss, what's called shrink. Uh, and that, that mm. actually helped businesses save money, you know, throughout the season, whether it's middle of winter or middle of summer, there's utility energy market failures, there's sometimes uh, human errors, and there's equipment failure, you know, doors left open, wiring issues, coolant leaks. So we started creating this food waste you know, impact model and showing, hey, we're saving thousands of dollars of inventory per location by monitoring it. And that was exciting. And that was kind of the first climate impact vector in 20 and in 21. What got even more exciting was in late 2021, we realized that if we could turn, if we could monitor refrigeration 24-7, we could actually turn it off. And by being able to monitor it, we could take advantage of the fact that the product can stay cold for a certain amount of time. And that means that you can turn refrigeration into a battery. So sounds kind yeah. of crazy, but we started turning refrigeration on and off dynamically in 21, in the late part of 2021. And by turning it yeah. on and off and timing that to when the energy prices are high or when the utility needs extra power, we can actually tap refrigeration as a battery source that's sitting out there, 90 million stationary batteries. So there's a huge climate impact on the energy savings around that. And that requires 24-7 monitoring because no one's going to let you turn the refrigeration off commercially without real-time monitoring. So that's the yeah. second layer we've been building out. So now there's food waste. Just touch on that for a second. That yeah. is, that's such a killer idea. We, When I worked at Venture Capital, we invested in this company that was turning down the lights in grocery stores. Yep. And they had built a really, you know, not it wasn't nationwide, but they were getting... And it was amazing the impact they could do. So that that analogy that you're telling, it makes so much sense. Like maybe the power costs are way cheaper at night. So you ramp it up at night, late late at night. And then in the air conditioning hours, you don't have to run the, the freezer or the refrigerator so hard and you can save a lot of energy, right? Exactly. Something simple like that. Exactly like yeah. that. And because refrigeration has this unique property, which is that the thermal mass can hold power. It can hold energy, right? If you ever had a freezer door open for a long time or left the fridge open, you know the stuff's still cold for a while, even if the energy yeah, uh, yeah. is leaking or the power, you know, power goes out. So the fact yeah. that the product can stay cold for a while 
makes it a form of battery. It's a, it's a thermal mass battery. So we took advantage of that. And by turning power off for short bursts, we're talking about 15 to 30 minute bursts, you can yeah, time yeah, those yeah, yeah. bursts to when the utility is short on power. For example, a couple of weeks ago, California had heat waves. Utilities need yeah. power when that's happening. They're running out. And, and so uh, their options are to turn on backup power plants that are super dirty and super expensive yep. or to get people yep. to voluntarily curtail. And so we're essentially helping with voluntary curtailment. We're cutting use when uh, the grids need the power. And so there's a huge amount of savings there economically and for the planet. So yeah, we're turning refrigeration into batteries now. That's amazing. And then also like those peak time power fees are usually higher, right? I don't know. And I think it's probably different in different states and it's all regulated. But I would think like, you know, running the air conditioner in the middle of the day in your house costs more than than doing something late at night once the peak load isn't required and the utility has plenty of power, right? So are you actually able to like demonstrate to the to the store owner or the distributor like, hey, we actually saved you X number of dollars every month on that, that just by the battery approach? Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. We're creating energy savings on their bill. And basically wow. what they're seeing is their energy bill goes down and we're doing that by tapping their refrigeration as a battery. We're calling it clean cooling. That's, you know, that's kind it. of our, our, our monitor. But the idea yeah. is, you know, it's a little bit like you were saying, you know, the, the example you mentioned, I was in Manhattan a few months ago, went down the street at night and there's a bunch of skyscrapers, you know, with the lights on, even though no one's working in there in the middle of the night. And it's like, why are the lights on, you know, in the middle of the night when no one's working there? Because, you know, in the 20th century power was cheap and the, the planet was paying for it. Now energy's gotten quite expensive. It's silly to run things, you know, all the time. So we're using a combination of methods. One is called peak shaving. Another is called load shifting. Shaving is basically cutting use when the location approaches its peak. So by cutting yep. it, by shaving it, you can save money. Load shifting yep. is moving from an expensive time of use rate to a cheaper time of use rate. Classic would be going from daytime to nighttime because its energy tends to be cheaper at night because most people are sleeping. So those are ways yep. you can move the electrons around and save money. The third is called demand response. That's when the utility will pay people to use less power yeah. because they're running out of you know, supply. So those are three ways we can create uh, value, peak shaving, load shifting, and demand response. And we're doing all three on top of our monitoring, of course. I think that grocery store example I had was a demand. They were actually like getting checks back. The grocery chain was getting checks back. Yep. And it was amazing. Good for you, man. That is so, so ingenious. And, and the app and the visibility to the customer gets them comfortable with this, right? Because like at any given time, they're actually, if they're like nervous about it or something like that, they can actually look. I would think that there's a little bit of like, I don't know how to articulate this, but in the old day, pre, pre-Therma, say California, you know, we have this huge... Uh, heat wave in California a couple weeks ago, they're all nervous about blackouts and taking down their system anyways, right? And yes. so they're looking, they, they and they never had real-time monitoring. Now they've got real-time monitoring and they all kind of collectively probably realize it's better for us to shave and help and play ball and we can all avoid the the rolling blackouts, right? Is that kind of like, it's almost, be, the problem becomes more of a collective problem instead of like this isolated, oh, there's nothing I can do, so I might as well run my refrigeration at full blast anyways, right? I, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, the, the reality is people are doing it both because of self-interest, right? Everyone wants to save money uh, and improve yeah. their margin, but they also realize, people are realizing, hey, if we do this, we can save money and we can reduce the chance of a grid failure, which benefits everyone. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think there's a double win there. It's like a way of doing good and doing well. And to your point, it would be very hard to do this if you didn't have a real-time monitoring device in place because people are hesitant about spoilage and compliance issues. So that's that's kind of the foundation of our house. But yeah, there's a nice uh, opportunity here to do something good for the community, but also ultimately you know, create, create real savings. And we're trying to build a climate calculator. So part of what we want to do is turn this into a turn this into like a an emissions calculator that you can celebrate and and say hey this actually oh, yeah. reduced. Well, also maybe you'll start seeing companies promoting on social media like the calculator, and because because actually there was a, I, my wife told me this that you you know Vanessa that Gavin Newsom had sent out uh, the governor of California sent out these texts and because like the the California was approaching like the rolling blackout level and everyone in California got these texts or something like that and. They saw power consumption go way down because of those text messages, again, making it a collective problem. So there's like a real, there's a real kind of sensitivity to this and people are willing to play ball. I can see this turning into like a marketing exercise for all of your customers being like, oh my gosh, with the help of Therma, we actually all collectively avoided blackouts. Here's, you know, the McDonald's or the Chili place or whatever, you know, whatever customer you have almost promoting it as a badge of honor that they are thinking about this stuff. Hey, it's Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting, taking a quick pit stop to give some of the groups at Cruise a big shout out. First up is our tax team. Amazing. They can do your federal and state income tax returns, R&D tax credits, sales tax help, anything you need for state registrations. They do it all. And we're so grateful for all their awesome work. Also, our finance team is doing amazing work now. They build financial models, budget actuals, and help your company navigate the VC due diligence process. I guess our tax team does that too on the tax side, but the finance team is doing great work. And then, you know, I think everyone kind of knows our accounting team is pretty awesome, but want to give them a shout out too. Thanks. And back to the guest. We certainly hope so. I mean, we think that that's, that's going to happen more and more. And, 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 you know, sadly, it's going to happen more and more because weather events are getting more extreme and more frequent and the grids can't keep up with all the growing electrification of everything. So uh, definitely we're going to need more voluntary curtailment and grid flexibility. And we're hoping that, that our customers can celebrate this as a way of, you know, contributing, doing their part to reduce, you know, brownouts and and reduce the chance of infrastructure going down and causing things like wildfires. So yeah, we we want this to be a win. For sure. And, but I, and I'm sure you, you probably have done some studies on this or just kind of use some general stats, but like, isn't the, like the general population of like the world in the United States, everyone's just kind of waking up and realizing this is a problem. Like there must be like some really cool sensitivity or some data you can give your clients to show like this stuff matters to like the everyday consumer nowadays. Right. Definitely. Uh, You know, I think a lot of folks have been, have been researching and writing about, how consumer preferences are changing around uh, sustainability, around climate. It's not just a millennial thing. It's not just a Gen Z yeah. thing. Uh, you know, you see, you see more and more people who are voting with their pocketbooks. You know, voting with their their choice in terms of where they spend their money uh, to support businesses that are doing things that are more sustainable. And I think that that's going to keep happening. It's partly just a reaction to the world we live in. When I was growing up. You know, we didn't think, and certainly I didn't think, about climate change as an existential threat to our no. life. I mean, it was one of those like, okay, my grandkids are going to have to worry about this. But now I've got a one-year-old and I'm thinking, you know, 
how are we going to go up and enjoy Yosemite and the mountains? How are we going to go and enjoy Northern California if there's a wildfire risk all the time and if, you know, uh, the air quality keeps getting worse? So I think it's become very uh, top of mind because of the changes in the world. And it's going to keep being top of mind, which, you know, that's why that's why Thermos here amongst other people. Yeah, that's amazing that you guys and I, I got, you know, I forget. Did you say there's 10 million refrigeration units or a million? I forget that. Yeah, number. there are what 90 million commercial refrigeration no. units. They're 1.4 billion residential. So there's a lot of refrigeration. in the world. Oh, my God. We just work on business refrigeration, which is still 90 million. units. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So you can make just a huge I mean. I don't know how much time and energy you're shaving in just those shaving examples, but like, you know, saving an hour or two a day for a commercial freezer times that by 90 million. Oh my God. That's, that's like, talk about an impact. And I think there's some interesting use cases out there that we're just starting to explore. So we've got 600 plus schools using our monitoring product, you know, across mm. the country, K through 12. So one of my teammates reminded me a few months ago, well, schools are closed. <laughs> <laughs> for several months of oh the year my gosh. in the summer yeah, and in yeah. the winter because of holidays. So we asked some of our customers, like, how many of you turn refrigeration off when the school's out? You could guess. Oh, my God. I never thought about that. Yeah. So it's not just McDonald's and Pizza Hut and Domino's who we work with. You know, those are high utilization, 365-day type operations. You've got environments where literally stuff is not utilized for huge parts of the year. So there's there's real low-hanging fruit out there. Talk about, you know, what we think about interesting opportunities for what we call, you know, clean cooling. There's optimization that doesn't require like a data science team from Google. I mean, these are yeah, these are low-hanging yeah. fruit. Yeah. And it's so widespread though, and it's across and it's just everywhere. It's the the how the school example is such a good example, you know, like yeah, that's that's no one would have ever thought to unplug that or turn it off, you know. But now if they're actually using the monitoring system, that it's very tangible how much energy they're wasting. That is so cool. Are there any other like great anecdotes like that? Like, is there any, you know, I I could see like hotels being similar too, like hotels that are very seasonal. Or things like that, where like you know, hey, maybe maybe we were at twenty five percent occupancy this part of the year, so we don't need to run all the freezers, you know? Because I, I assume you can kind of do that too, right? Like, we can. not all of them need to run. That's so on point. We were working with an early or a partner that we just started working with. It's a major top three um, hotel brand. One of their big properties in Southern Florida. You know, they have huge seasonality, and they've got a hundred pieces of refrigeration. But they have primary and secondary refrigeration. So when it's full blast, like say Labor Day weekend or Christmas, every piece yeah. of refrigeration is being used. But then you got huge parts of the year where you don't need 100 pieces of refrigeration running. So what we can do is start thinking about creating a bank of primary and a bank of secondary, shifting utilization to the primary and saving quite a bit. That's the kind of stuff that you can start doing when the assets are connected to the cloud and remote controlled, which yeah. is what we're doing. We're connecting dumb refrigeration and making it smart by adding a cloud layer and then a data science brain. That's the idea. I'm sure that ROI is off the charts for that hotel chain too, right? It's got to be, they've got to be saving a crazy amount of money. They're, I think they're excited about it because A, you know, you've got, uh, you know, rising energy costs everywhere and B, yeah. and especially in environments that are warm, you know, and, and that have a lot of, you know, uh, weather events like a Florida or a Texas or a California, these things are, are big cost centers, massive cost centers. Yeah. Also, again, because circling back to that kind of customer marketing, like a lot of hotels you check into these days do the do the like, hey, we're not washing yes. your, your 
towels every day, that kind of stuff. I mean, this is another thing for them to talk about that they're contributing to a better world. It's, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, we look back on it and you're like, we started with this simple clipboard application. So like, are you just, I mean, I know it's hard to be like this when you're a start founder because you're, you're caught up in it every day, but you must be so proud looking back being like, look at this journey we went on and look at the impact we're going to have for our clients. It, it definitely feels like a journey. I think journey is the right word, uh, Scott. <laughs> you know, you, you, it's hard to know where the path is going to take you. I certainly, it's yeah. been super humbling. I've never done anything uh, as hard or as personally demanding. And I know, you know, as an entrepreneur yourself, when we started yeah. the company, it was just me and one other person. We had like 150K. Uh, which at the time felt like a lot of money, but you know, when you start a company in the Bay Area, that doesn't get you very far. Yeah. And now we're like 70 plus people. It's still super early, but we're growing. Uh, the business feels like it's having more and more impact and potential impact. So my favorite thing about it is that it's always interesting and always challenging. Like every day yeah. brings on new stuff. So it's never, never boring. I feel like also like you're, and you're probably not doing a ton of sales now because you're running the company. But probably in the early days, you did a lot of sales. I feel like All you're also sales. at this like- I was the sales team and the support team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know how that goes. Yep. Now you're at this like, I'm visualizing like the Gartner adoption curve or something, right? And every day you and your sales team are talking to like someone who's never contemplated this probably, who's never thought like, oh my gosh, I could turn off all my secondary cold storage on weekends that aren't busy or this whole school district. We could save some, you know, like you must see the gleam in their eyes and their excitement. And that's like one of the things that probably keeps you going, right? Or keeps you fired up. Well, definitely seeing people um, using the products and, and saying that the products are creating value for them. I love that. Whenever someone, you know, actually sends in a testimonial or says something yeah. like, hey, you know, this saved me thousands of dollars. I would have lost, you know, my week's uh, profit or we would have had to, you know, we had a recent a wedding photographer recently who would have lost 20,000 of inventory with the spoilage event they couldn't have caught. Th those kinds of moments, um, you know, or the school saying, hey, maybe I can turn my refrigeration off during the summer and save some money. And that school's trying to kind of create budget for other things. Those stories uh, are very, very encouraging. And I think the climate impact we're starting to measure gives me a kind of personal sense of, hey, at least I'm doing something positive. I think of myself as an optimist. Yeah. Whenever I read the news, it's like, oh my God, there's so many problems in the world. But uh, it's nice to feel like, hey, we're trying to do something here that might have you know, some, some positive impact on stuff. I love it. I love it. Well, this is incredible. I, I'm going to respect your time. We could talk about this all day. Maybe you could tell everyone how to find Therma, how to reach out if they want to work with you. Love the opportunity to be on. Thank you so much. Uh, and thanks for pleasure, listening. Yeah, we're, we're uh, online at hellotherma.com, H-E-L-L-O-Therma, T-H-E-R-M-A.com. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm Monik, M-A-N-I-K at hellotherma.com, Monik at hellotherma.com. Or you can check us out on Twitter, uh, Insta, or or uh, LinkedIn. We're, we're always hiring and we're, we're just about to announce uh, a new fundraise, which Scott and Vanessa uh, and others have pioneered. So yeah, looking forward to, to connecting. Couldn't be more excited. By the way, the that grocery store company that I was talking about earlier, IPO'd, made a ton of money. And so the, I know, I just know the future is very bright for what you're doing. And it's so, you're just so creative. Like this is just such an interesting problem and I'm so excited for you. And I'm excited for like all the, all your customers who are going to 
not only save money, but also make a real positive impact. Like that's, that's progress. That just feels so good to me. So I'm, I'm excited for you, Monik. This is so cool. So cool. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate the support. And uh, we're trying to make cooling cool. So if you want to learn more about refrigeration and the future of clean cooling, check us out. But yeah, thanks for having me on, Scott. I love it. Clean cooling is a great phrase. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. From founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Old.